Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. I'm going to read from Matthew 28 and also Acts chapter 1. We were studying 2 Timothy, and we will resume that next Sunday, chapter 3. But for the month of April, we decided we wanted to talk about Easter and the resurrection and what that really means. And so the first Sunday, we talked about our redemption and the cross and what Jesus did on the cross. Obviously, on Easter, we talked about the resurrection, our rejoicing in the fact that Jesus is alive. And then the next Sunday, we talked about the reality of what happened after the resurrection and who we are in him. Last Sunday, the relationship that we have through the Holy Spirit living in us. And today, we're going to talk about our responsibility. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse Six, therefore, when they, that's the disciples and Jesus, had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? In West Texas, it'd be gawking up into heaven. And the same Jesus who was taking up, taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Forty years ago, it was 1983. Isn't that hard to believe? 1983 doesn't seem that long ago. That's 40 years ago. But in 1983, the United States House of Representatives stopped doing something that they had been doing for 50 years. And so, actually, so I guess it's been 90 years now. For 50 years, half a century, there was a tradition of reading George Washington's farewell address on George Washington's birthday. They would pick someone out of the chamber to read that. And that went on for a long time. In fact, one of the newspapers said in past years, it was almost holy writ that the address must be read through war and storm for half a century. A member of each chamber has been chosen to read the address. But in 1983, 
the Democrats and the Republican leaders decided it wasn't worth the time to read it to an empty chamber because no one would come to hear it. In fact, the newspaper headline in the Calgary Herald said, nobody listens to Washington's farewell address. Well, I can tell you that in a church today, a lot of churches, no one listens to the Lord's farewell address. They've heard it. They just don't listen to it. We call it the Great Commission. If you look up the word commission in the Oxford Dictionary, it has two definitions. One of the definitions says an instruction, command, or role given to a person or a group. That's what we're reminded of in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 that we call the Great Commission. But the other definition is the authority to perform a task are certain duties. And that reminds us of Acts 1-8, where we have the power and the authority to do it. Now, these two verses indicate that Christ has not only commissioned us, but he's given empowerment to us to accomplish what he's asked us to do. But sadly, in a lot of churches today, the Great Commission has become the great omission. People don't think about it. Now, to quote a famous theologian, Spider-Man, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. God has given us power. I see Spider-Man over at the camera. With great power, God has given us power, and he's given us the commission and really and truly, folks, I call it the most important job on the planet. Think about it. We would not be here if somebody before us had not taken this seriously. Because we would not have heard the gospel. We would not have heard about Jesus Christ. And so the Great Commission is our great responsibility. And with that, I want us to look at some of the characteristics or some of the truths that the Lord has put out there. First of all, you notice the penetration and the purpose that's commanded by the Lord. In Matthew 28, 19, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. He said, go and teach all nations. Penetrate the world. Go everywhere and, and for the purpose of making disciples, of leading people to Christ and growing them in the faith to the place where they can multiply themselves. The Great Commission extends to the whole world. It's interesting. John even says in John 129, he records John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. In John 4.42, it talks about the Savior of the world. And then when you read in the book of Revelation, the John's vision of heaven and the new, new heaven and the new earth, and part of it, he said that, Jesus purchased with his blood those from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, Revelation 5, 9, and that they would glorify God before his throne forever and ever, Revelation 7, 9 through 12. So the church has been called to world missions. Now, I'm so thankful to be part of a congregation that gives to missions. A major portion of our budget, the, the money that you give through the church, a major portion of it goes to missions. 
We plant churches. We support missionaries. We, we, we support local missions. We help all kinds of things. And it's because it's part of the great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. There was a famous violinist by the name of Fritz Chrysler. He lived from 1875 until 1962. He was world famous. He made a lot of money by, by his concerts and his compositions, but he generously gave most of it away. At one time on one of his trips, he discovered an exquisite violin that was owned and it was for sale. But since he had given so much of his money away, he didn't have enough money to buy the thing. So he left and raised money over a period of time to buy this beautiful violin. And when he got back to where it was for sale, it had been sold to a collector. He found the name of the collector, went to his home, and he said, I really would like to buy that violin. And the collector said, I'm sorry, but it's not for sale. It has become one of my most prized if not my most prized possession. And right before he left, Fritz Chrysler said, well, would you allow me one last time before it's consigned to silence in your collection, would you let me play it one more time? Permission was granted. The great violinist filled the room with such heart-moving music that the collector's emotions were stirred And he said, the collector who owned the violin said, I have no right to keep that to myself. He said, it's yours, Mr. Chrysler. I give it to you. Take it into the world and let people hear it. Well, I want you to know that's exactly what the gospel is. We have no right to keep it to ourselves. We have been saved and forgiven and given a relationship with God, and we know that we're okay, that we're going to heaven one day, and it's wrong to keep it to ourselves. We need to let the world hear God's violin, the gospel. We need to let them know. I was so blessed. We just got back from going to to Israel, the Holy Land, the Bible Lands, whatever you want to call it. And at a lot of those places, there was a lot of people there. I mean, it's the time of year when there's a lot of people traveling. So every time you pulled up to one of the sites where something happened in the Bible, there were a lot of buses already there, and, and it's just the way it is. But in, one, in a couple of those places, I stood and listened. For example, next to the Garden of Gethsemane is a church. It's called the Church of the Nations. It's appropriately named people everywhere. And while I was standing there listening, I could hear languages all over the place I did not recognize. And I saw people dressed in different ways, and I saw different colors of skin. When we went to the garden tomb, they have places where different groups can meet, and you can have a, a time alone with your group for a few moments. We had the Lord's Supper. But, but through that garden, you would hear different groups singing Some of the songs I recognized, some of them I didn't. They were in different languages. Oh, I recognized the name of Jesus when it would be sung. But I was sitting there thinking, isn't this incredible that Jesus Christ has been taken to all the world, and the world is now coming here to see where Jesus walked and to celebrate him? It's just like it's supposed to be to go into all the world, and these 11 disciples and the others with them, took it into the world. 
We're to penetrate the world, all nations, all nations. Now, I want you to notice who's supposed to participate. Look at the participants chosen by the Lord. Acts 1.8, verse 8, you see the word you three times. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me. God has not chosen angels to get the word out. He's not, cha- he's not chosen supermen or superwomen to get the word out. In fact, let me just read to you who he's chosen. Paul gave an apt description of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Listen to this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. I love this. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world, the morons. That's the word, moros. So I know I'm in. (laughs) I fit in a group. He's chosen the morons of the world to put to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, the things which... to, uh, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. I, I, I have some good news for those of you who are straight-A students on a roll. Scholastic achievement. Maybe you got a... a, a, a a scholarship to a college. I've got good news for those of you who lettered in sports, even tiddlywinks. They don't even know what tiddlywinks are, do they? I've got good news for those of you who were elected by the class most likely to succeed or most handsome or most beautiful, or you achieved great things. I have such good news for you. God may still be able to use you Because it says he chooses the common, ordinary masses to do his work. And the reason he does is that so nobody can brag, well, just look what I did for God. It's what he does through us. He's chosen you and me to participate. You have the opportunity. You have relationships that only you have. That he, and God is saying, I want you to participate in the most important job on the planet. So notice the plan that is charged by the Lord. You will be witnesses. It's used in the Bible many times, and it refers to those who bear witness to the truth. It speaks of those who testify in a court of law. Uh, A witness in a trial is called upon to tell what they have seen, what they know to be true. And it ultimately became to be known as those who laid down their lives for the truth. We get our word martyr from this word, marturon. We get our word martyr. And the issue is not myths or legends, but facts and truths. We are charged by the Lord to be a witness. Now, a witness, there's several things you need to know if you're going to be a witness. First of all, a witness must know something. You got to have the right message. 
The definition in the dictionary of the word witness is one who has seen or heard something and one who furnishes evidence. A witness is one who can say, I know this to be true. It's real interesting when you read through the book of Acts. In, in a court of law, a witness, when if, you're, if you're chosen to be a witness or called to be a witness in a court, in a, in a, um, a courtroom, they, they put your hand on a Bible and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Well, Luke uses the word witness several places in the book of Acts. Let me give you a couple of references here. Acts 2.32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. This is Peter preaching. Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Acts 10.39, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Acts 13.30, but God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Acts 22.14, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. A witness is one who, listen, who tells the truth about Jesus Christ. I've heard people say, well, we need to share our faith. We do. But a Buddhist can share his faith. And a Muslim can share his faith. And a Hindu can share his faith. But what is unique about us is we can share Jesus because Jesus is the truth. He said, you will be my witnesses. You will witness to who I am. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have graduated with a seminary degree. You don't have to be a missionary. It doesn't require a college degree or a high IQ. Just tell the truth about Jesus to anyone who's willing to listen. Amen. I told some of the guys after the eight o'clock service, I said, there's one sermon that you never hear from people when you're preaching is on tithing. The second one is on witnessing. Everybody's quiet. But Jesus tells, he said, you're to be witnesses to me. A witness must tell not what he thinks, not what he supposes, but what he knows. Do you know? Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed. But you got to know Jesus before you've got something to tell. Billy Graham said it could be that one of the greatest hindrances to evangelism today is the poverty of our own experience. Not many people really get it. I know Jesus and I know who I am and I know what he's done for me and I want other people to have the same thing too. Chris Lyon in Leadership Magazine said there's a subtle false teaching that says we can be evangel evangelical without being evangelistic. It has to believe we go to church rather than we are the church. Someone else said, we're one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Jesus in 635, John 635 said, I am the bread of life. You see, folks, the salesmen that are the most effective are the ones that are not just repeating some kind of script. They're the ones selling you something that they know works, that they use themselves, that you, they're convinced that it is the greatest thing. You got to know something. Do you know Jesus? 
three of you do. Y'all, I, I can tell you, y'all wore me out today. These congregations have sucked all the life out of me today. Just give me something back every now and then, a nod. Well, I'll take a nod. The second thing is a witness must say something. You've got to have the right methods. You're, not, you're really going to be mad at this one. You know, occasionally you hear an account where somebody's released from prison because somebody came forward and gave a testimony that should have said something many years ago. One of the professors of New Testament at the University of Edinburgh described what he thought to be the greatest threat to the church. He said, it's not communism, atheism, or materialism. The greatest threat is Christians trying to sneak into heaven incognito without ever sharing their faith. One lady put it this way. She said, many believers are rabbit hole Christians. In the morning, they pop out of their safe Christian homes, hold their breath at work, scurry home to their families, and then off to their Bible studies, and finally end the day praying for the unbelievers they safely avoided all day. They said, we need to tell people about Jesus. We need to be a little, like the little boy who came home from Sunday school. First time to go to Sunday school, his mom said, do you know your teacher's name? I know, I don't know her name, but she, I, I'm pretty sure that she's the grandmother of Jesus because that's all she talked about was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Research indicates that nine out of 10 people trust what a customer says about a business than what a business says about itself. Think about it. Now, before you go in places, a lot of you will read the reviews, won't you? Oh, it's got this many reviews. Now, think about that. You don't have a clue who that person was that gave a review. You don't know them from man in the moon. You just don't. And yet, we believe what customers say about the business. Now, the business may have the most beautiful advertisements and all about how wonderful it is, but you want to know what people said about it. 31% more, more money is spent in businesses that have good customer testimonials. And we're to tell people about Jesus. Nobody can argue with what he's done in your life, your life before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus in your life since you met him. They weren't there. They don't know. Tell them what happened. You can't win everybody, but everybody can win somebody. I don't know who wrote this. I'm going to read it twice because you're not going to get it the first time. I wanted to be a somebody, but God allowed me to be a nobody so that I could share with everybody about the somebody who can save anybody. Okay, here, some of you didn't get it. I wanted to be a somebody, but God allowed me to be a nobody so that I could share with everybody about the somebody who can save anybody. Say something. Say something. But not only that, you got to know something, you got to say something, but you got to be something. You see, 
it's not just saying it. You got to live it out. And I know no one's perfect, so don't wait until you're perfect. But the fact is, what is as important as what we say is how we live our lives. An opposing attorney is going to try to discredit a witness in their life so that it will weaken their testimony. But folks, we've got to be careful how we live, even in the small things. I'm going to give you an example. About a month ago, I guess it's maybe a little longer, I went to lunch after church. All of the other two services had already been there because they cheated and came early. (laughs) It was a busy day, local restaurant not far from here. Young lady goes to Texas Tech, was our server. And it was extremely busy when she walked up, and I said, hey, y'all are really busy today. And she said, yeah, we, it's been an unusually busy day. And I said, well, listen, I, I want to ask you something, and I want you to be bluntly honest with me. I told her, I said, I'm a pastor. I have no hidden agenda here. I want to know something. Is it still hard to get people to work on Sunday? And she said, yes, sir. And I said, tell me why. I think I already know why, but tell me why. She got real quiet. I said, no, I really want you to tell me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I want you to be brutally honest. She said, people are rude. They're impatient. And I said, and I guess you're talking about the ones that just came from church, right? She said, yes, sir. And then she said, and they don't tip. I said, you kidding me? No. I said, they don't tip anything. Well, some don't tip anything. Some tip a dollar. I was so embarrassed. I was mad, too thought, I want to stand up and hug her and say, listen, we're not all that way. But I want to tell you something, folks. Listen, those of you who lived back in the Depression, a dollar was a big deal. It ain't no big deal anymore. If you're not going to start at 15%, don't go out to eat because those waitresses don't get paid by their business. That's the way they make their living is by tipping. And so what a testimony, what a poor testimony. And especially when they say, well, they're rude and impatient and you can't please them and they're demanding. I thought, first of all, I want y'all to know that if you go and you act that way, I don't want you to have anything as Southcrest on it with you. <laughs> don't show them a bulletin. Don't show them anything. I use that as an example to show you that our testimony in a community is as much as how we act around people as it is what we say about Jesus. Just little things. See, you don't even think about that, do you? People are watching us. They're watching us all the time. So you, you've got to have the right manner uh, you, you know something, you know that, you got to say something, but you got to be something too. You've got to be kind. 
Well, I'll move on since I've already made all of you mad. (laughs) Next, you see the parameters. Look at the parameters that are commissioned by the Lord. In Matthew 28, all nations. In Acts 1.8, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. All nations. Jerusalem, start at home. You got some homework to do, to talk to people you know, to talk to the, the people you work with and that you know. Interesting, true story. There's a big insurance company's headquarters in New York City. They called in all of their agents from all over the country, around the country, for some kind of convention at their headquarters. And one of the men from one of the western states came into New York City, and while he was there, in a building that is housing a an insurance company, sold insurance to the barber in there, to the elevator operator, and to one of the restaurant workers. And those people have been working in that building 10 years. Insurance company and a guy from out here in the West that sells insurance to the people in the building of the insurance company because they never said anything. At home, go home, Jerusalem. You're going to find that all of the church growth institutes will tell you that the people who are reached for Christ the most, the majority of them, it's because of somebody they knew told them or invited them to hear. G. Campbell Morgan wrote a book. G. Campbell Morgan was a preacher who lived a long time ago, and he wrote a book on how to live. He talked about a conversation he had with a man one evening after he preached. This man walked up and said, I invited my friend that I've worked with for five years to come hear you preach tonight. And what's, what's interesting is I've been working with him for five years, and when I invited him to come hear you preach, he said, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I am too. And isn't that funny? We've been working together five years, and we did not know each other were Christians. And G. Campbell Morgan, he pretty much shot straight, and he said, no, that's not funny. You both need to be born again. He said, it's inconceivable that two men could truly be saved and work side by side for five years and not be aware of their kinship through Jesus Christ. You've got neighbors, you've got family, you've got friends, you've got coworkers. Judea, outside of Jerusalem. Samaria, oh, that was a place nobody liked to go. The disciples didn't even like to go through the half-breed land. Samaria, they hated Samaritans. And then he said the uttermost parts of the earth. That means that sometimes witnesses leave their homes and go to other lands in order that they may obey what the Lord's called them to do. You can't all go, but we can all be supportive. We've all, we're all part of the team. Home, outside our home, in the state, in our community, to the uttermost parts of the earth. The penetration and purpose Go to all the world. You see the participants, you and me. You see the plan to be a witness. The parameters is everywhere. The power channeled by the Lord is next. Matthew 28, 20 says, I will be with you always. Acts 1, 8, you shall receive power, dunamis, power, dynamite, supernatural power. You and I are the conduit. We're the conduit. Power of God flows through us. You will never, listen to this, I'm just about done. I can tell y'all ready to go. I can tell. 
I'm not stupid. Even though I'm in the moron class. Forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do remember now. <laughs> I might as well be honest with you. I just flat forgot it. But I got it now. <laughs> you will never talk to anyone ever about the Lord that the Holy Spirit is not already there first. Can't happen. Can't happen. So anytime you talk about the Lord to someone, you can't fail when you're talking about Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You just can't. And they just tell them what Jesus has done for you. And the last thing is the period that's calculated by the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, even to the end of the age. In Acts 1, 8, or Acts 1, 9, and 11, Jesus ascended into heaven, and the angels told those guys staring into heaven, what are you, what are you doing standing here? Get to work, basically. He's going to come back. And I want to tell you, after being in Israel, I've seen it blossom even more and more. The prophecies are being fulfilled as I speak. I don't know when the Lord's going to return, but I really believe it's going to be soon. There's one thing you can't do in heaven that you can still do here on this earth. And I'm not talking about death and sin. There's one thing. See, you can sing here. You're going to sing in heaven. You can pray here. You're going to pray in heaven. You're going to talk to the Lord. You can fellowship with believers here. You're going to fellowship with believers for eternity. So you better get used to one another. But the one thing you can do here that you can't do in heaven and that is to share the gospel with a lost sinner who needs Jesus. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message.